Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Andrew Scheer says he intends to stay in the job as Conservative leader. I am staying on to fight the fight the Canadians elected us to do. Now is not the time for internal divisions or internal party politics. That is an unfortunate part of the uh, Conservative tradition in this country, uh, but it's essential that but we stay it, focused. It, 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 Jagmeet Singh takes on the role of NDP critic on Indigenous matters. It's clear that they need to be pushed to do what's right, and, and I want to use the position that I have on this particular question of fairness and to push that ahead and so I'm going to do everything I can as leader to raise awareness and to push forward to make sure this government does what's right for people. And Quebec's Premier reacts to a move by Manitoba to attract Quebecers. I would say spend your money on French services not on trying to attract Quebecers or attract Germans or attract French people in Winnipeg. It's Friday November 29th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Christy Kirkup of The Globe and Mail. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Mark. It seems like every day there's another person who is talking about Andrew Scheer's future as leader, and many of the people who are speaking out are saying that he shouldn't stay on. Jenny Byrne, a longtime conservative strategist, advisor to Stephen Harper, is the latest to say that she doesn't think he can stick around as leader. Uh, Shear was speaking yesterday for the first time since the news that a group of people had gotten together and created a website uh, suggesting that he step aside. Uh, so uh, let's talk about where he stands and how difficult this is getting for Andrew Shear. You know, I think that this uh, is just going to continue for Andrew Scheer as he looks ahead at April, which, of course, is going to be when Conservative faithful are supposed to gather in Toronto for a convention. And that's where, of course, he'll be facing a leadership review. Uh, the noise definitely is getting louder. It's been day after day that uh, different uh, Conservatives are speaking publicly about their concerns about his leadership. It kind of, uh, I, I would say, the, the momentum on this really um, started to pick up um, when, uh, for example, there were a couple of conservative strategists who in, in the Globe um, published their concerns uh, in an op-ed about um, you know, the leader's uh, commentary on LGBTQ rights and abortion, suggesting that he needed to be far more clear uh, about those particular issues. And then in the last uh, few days, you, you mentioned, of course, the Corey Tonight website, Conservative Victory, uh, suggesting that, that he needs to go and uh, burn uh, lending her voice to that uh, uh, chorus of uh, criticism that he's facing. And I just I think it's going to be a really hard year if he's digging in and saying he'd like to stay on. He's going to be measured on his performance mark. And uh, so far, I don't think he's been able to calm those concerns or allay those concerns that have been raised about you know, whether or not he should stay on as leader. So I, I think that, you know, he's kind of facing a bit of a Tom Mulcair situation where going into a convention, he's going to have to try and do a lot of work to keep his job. And it's really hard to, to say right now whether that's even going to be possible for yeah. this year. And it's interesting because obviously a, a year ago, if you had said to people, Andrew Scheer is going to win the popular vote or the Conservatives will, uh, that he'll pick up a lot of seats and that he'll hold Justin Trudeau and the Liberals to a minority, most people would have assumed he would keep his job after that. And even in the 24 to 48 hours after the election itself, I think a lot of people expected that might be enough for him to stay as leader of the Conservative Party. But a lot has changed since then, or at least the perceptions have changed. And then the story became, well, will he survive the vote in April? And I think now the question is becoming more and more, 
Is he even going to make it to the vote in April? Because there are people explicitly calling for him to step down and avoid that vote altogether. Yeah, I traveled here, and of course, people were really disappointed on election night. That much was clear. It was really quiet at uh, Conservative headquarters in Regina, but no one was immediately calling for his head. Uh, and he was saying that, you know, he, he wanted to stay on. And then, as I say, just recently, things have really started to intensify in terms of that public push uh, to to get him out. And, you know, he's pushing back on that. He's also made some staffing changes. He announced over the course of the weekend that, of course, he was firing his director of communications as well as his chief of staff. Uh, he is announcing, you know, his, his deputy leader, Leona Aslavov. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's trying to put together a team, even though he's facing, you know, repeated news stories where people are saying, he should not be the guy to, to lead the party going forward. So I don't know how he's going to turn things around from a communications perspective. Uh, he, he hasn't been able to do that. Um, and uh, I'm not really sure how he's going to get out from, from under the situation that he finds himself in right now. Let's talk a little more about what he did announce yesterday. Uh, the leadership team around him, including, as you mentioned, Leona Alislev, who is a former Liberal MP from Ontario, who's now with the Conservatives. She crossed the floor uh, during the last term uh, in Parliament and was re-elected. And, of course, she replaces Lisa Raitt, who lost in the election. Uh, but she, uh, as a former Liberal, uh, she's obviously going to be perceived as coming from the red Tory side of the party, the moderate side of the party. I'm sure that was a consideration for Sheer and his advisors in making that decision. And it's been interesting to see some of the, you know, critiques that have uh, come about uh, after uh, Sheer named her as deputy leader, and then people coming out to defend the decision, including Lorene Harper taking to Twitter to essentially say that, you know, it's about bringing uh, different people into the tent, including those that uh, haven't always voted conservative, that that's a good thing, and that uh, Lorene Harper is saying that, that she's supportive of Mr. Shear uh, naming her as deputy leader. So, um, you know, I think that uh, going forward, he has yet to announce uh, his uh, shadow cabinet. He's only announced a, a couple of folks that are going to be in that inner circle, again, looking to, to shake things up, reposition uh, the, the party. Uh, and of course, um, you know, his, his own compass as he looks ahead at Parliament, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Conservatives right now are going through you know, the, this period where they're focusing on themselves. And we saw that in his news conference yesterday where he said, you know, this isn't about essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's, it's not about us. It's not about the internal battle. It's about going after the prime minister and looking to do so in a minority situation, which, of course, it is going to prove to be um, a, a really different scenario for, for everyone in Parliament. Um, there, there's a lot to, to watch for in terms of, you know, the, the throne speech and focusing on, on challenging the, the government. Uh, and so that's what Mr. Shear is going to have to try and do in, in the days ahead, try and pivot to focusing on Justin Trudeau rather than having repeated uh, news stories uh, about himself and, and whether or not he, he's up to snuff to stay on. 
Now, as you mentioned, Andrew Scheer has not unveiled his critics' roles for when Parliament resumes next week, but Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, did yesterday. And it was interesting, I think, to see that he himself is taking on the role of being the party's critic on intergovernmental affairs, which is, of course, Christia Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister's portfolio, and also on Indigenous issues. Uh, So he's taking on two important roles himself. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that he he gave himself a couple of those uh, critic roles and, of course, keeping, you know, some veteran MPs close uh, to him as he looks ahead at this new parliament with, uh, you know, um, uh, Charlie Angus, who, of course, ran against him in the the leadership. Uh, He'll be staying on as critic for Indigenous youth in particular and also, of course, uh, looking at, um, you know, the issue of challenging the Liberals on their new file about uh, you know middle class prosperity. Well, Charlie Angus uh, has has a different title for his critic role, um, and uh, you know he he's going to be uh, challenging uh, the government on uh, you know income inequality, and that's going to be a central focus for him. And of course, uh, the sole Quebec MP left after the last election, Alexandre Boularis, will uh, be serving in the deputy position, uh, really aligning himself uh, with Mr. Singh and and coming out in a big way because of course the NDP doesn't want to focus doesn't want to lose lose its focus on Quebec and uh, showing Quebecers that it's still thinking about them and and wanting to kind of woo them back into the fold after they lost so many MPs uh, in the last election. Yeah, it's interesting how different the world is for Jagmeet Singh compared to Andrew Scheer. And again, uh, if you'd said a few months ago that uh, that one leader would be worrying about whether he'd keep his job and the other would be pretty secure in that job, uh, and that one of them would have gained in seats and the other lost, um, it's, it's, it is interesting that Jagmeet Singh seems to be on much more solid ground as the NDP leader than Andrew Scheer, despite the outcome of the election and despite some of the circumstances. Yeah, I find that kind of surprising, to be honest, because, you know, as as you know, Mark, uh, you know, the NDP caucus has been significantly reduced to 24 seats. And, you know, the people around Jagmeet Singh and his uh, continued supporters will suggest that, well, at the beginning of the campaign, there was some talk that the the party could be struggling to actually have official party status. I'm not sure that's the best bar to say, okay, well, actually, we we doubled that. We were able to, to come out with 24 seats at the end of the election. Uh, You know, I think Mr. Singh, um, you know, his his party continues to face uh, some really, uh, you know, really big challenges, including uh, fundraising problems, uh, which, of course, played out uh, during the course of the last election. They had to do a lot of bus travel. They didn't put, you know, decals, fancy decals on their airplane. Uh, They didn't uh, do a lot of air travel. They were criticized for not hitting certain parts of the country, particularly in eastern Canada, more frequently because, quite frankly, they they couldn't afford to do that. And yet, um, you know, Jagmeet Singh has somehow been able to convince people within his party that there was something about him in the last election that perhaps he, you know, they they can capitalize on. And I think that that kind of is his charisma, his ability to connect with people that wasn't able to translate in terms of seats. uh, But we did see uh, in a number of public opinion polls a spike in support for Mr. Singh at the end of the last election. So I think that is the the juice that's still Mm -hmm. fueling uh, those uh, supporters uh, for Jagmeet Singh. But as you say, interesting that, that he's not facing that existential fight and Mr. Shear is. Yeah. All right. Before we let you go, Christy, we should talk about uh, the little tiff between 
Quebec Premier François Legault and Brian Pallister, the Premier of Manitoba. Uh, and uh, we, we talk about so many different issues uh, between Western Canadian provinces and Quebec and Ontario and so on. This is an interesting one because it's about a move by Manitoba to attract Quebecers to jobs in that province. And uh, François Legault kind of took a shot back at Manitoba in his response to that. Yeah, he essentially said that uh, the Premier of Manitoba should focus more on the Winnipeg Jets and not on Bill 21, essentially telling him to, to butt out. Um, and, you know, interesting to see that Manitoba was bold enough to, to take out newspaper ads uh, to specifically look at um, bringing in workers uh, who, um, you know, are, are feeling the, the effects of Bill 21. But, uh, you know, uh, Premier Legault is taking none of that and essentially suggesting he, he's not going to take any advice from uh, a Premier of Manitoba. So uh, interesting uh, kind of tete-a-tete between those two Premiers. Yeah. All right, Christy, great to have you with us today. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a good day, Mark. That's Christy Kirkup of the Globe and Mail. I am staying on to fight the fight the Canadians elected us to do. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At globalnews.ca, Bill Kelly calls Andrew Scheer a political dead man walking. Kelly writes, The latest example of Tory unrest is the formation of a non-profit conservative group whose sole purpose is to oust Scheer as leader as soon as possible. We've already heard that a number of returning MPs blame Scheer for their reduced margins of victory, and many defeated candidates blame him for their failure to topple the Liberals. Conservatives now view Scheer as a liability. His political best-before date may be imminent. In McLean's, Paul Wells considers Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives' choices. Wells writes, Keeping a leader offers no guarantee of success, but neither does replacing him. Whether Andrew Scheer should lead the Conservatives is a big question, but there are bigger ones, what the Conservative Party stands for and what Canada stands for, and whether our policies are now so hopelessly dependent on conflict over resolution, fear over hope, disdain over trust, and denigration over accommodation that none of us can find our way home. In the National Post, Matt Gurney argues, Scheer's future as leader entirely depends on whether he can reasonably believe and convince others that he'll do better next time. Gurney writes, As much as Shear's supporters may decry the media's focus on some of his stumbles or bemoan the injustice of the attention given to his religious views, those are baked in. Life isn't fair. The Canadian political reality has its own facts on the ground, and if the only shot Shear has at becoming Prime Minister is to teleport himself into a parallel universe where those facts on the ground are different, he's finished. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will meet with Mexico's point man on the North American trade negotiations in Ottawa today. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, at 10.30 this morning, Eastern Time, Prime Minister Trudeau will meet on Parliament Hill with Mexico's Undersecretary for North America, Jesus Siade. He's the man that the Mexican president has put in charge of these final stages of negotiations for the Canada-U.S.-Mexico Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA II. His visit comes just two days after our minister responsible for NAFTA, Christian Freeland, made a lightning trip to Washington on Wednesday to join her U.S. and Mexican counterparts. What's it all about? Well, it would appear that we are down to the 11th hour and close to a possible ratification of the new NAFTA. Senior Democrats uh, and Republicans have been in negotiations with the president and his trade representative in Washington, and it looks there's, like there's potential for the accord to be signed before the end of the year. 
Most parties involved in the negotiations would like to see that happen because of concerns of what could happen, happen to NAFTA once a full-blown presidential election cycle kicks in next year. Indications are that we are close to an agreement. The sticking point, though, concerns provisions concerning Mexican labor standards and wages in the automobile sector. Democrats in Congress in the U.S., as well as the labor movement, would like to see some degree of enforcement and monitoring of those standards. But the Mexican side is wary of possible infringements upon its sovereignty. So, Mark, these are interesting times as the Prime Minister meets with the Mexican Undersecretary this morning. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will meet with the Mayor of Edmonton. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in Ottawa to meet with Mexico's Undersecretary for North America. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will deliver a keynote speech at the United Conservative Party annual general meeting in Calgary. Immigration Minister Marco Mendicino will welcome 110 new citizens at a ceremony in Scarborough, Ontario. And Governor-General Julie Payette will visit Italy. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, November 29th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.